0: as we've seen, there's evidence that's shown there's a whole movement of multicultural education when youth are studying themselves it makes it easier for them to look at the world in a critical pers- you know, context when youth um, see education that reflects who they are then they're able to you know, get that A in biology or chemistry so all I'm saying is really for us to um, take an approach in which um, Africanism African Americanism or at the forefront of that and figure out how do we develop a a subculture of economic and social empowerment which spreads throughout the community.
1: Welcome to World Beat. I am George Collins. Hope all you good folks out there are doing well, wherever and whenever you're tuning in. Now, a new generation of black American activism has emerged in the last 10 years as movements like Black Lives Matter really broke into the public discourse. And these causes have brought wider attention to such issues of police corruption, discrimination and housing. That's that's the real obvious one that we see on the surface. But beyond the political realm many black Americans are also taking this time to dig into their history and are finding a new sense of pride in their heritage. And one area of growing enthusiasm is in reclaiming these spiritual practices from the continent. Now, some of these folks felt particularly driven to that community and the healing aspects of such beliefs as the COVID-19 pandemic threw the whole world into the damn meat grinder. (laughs) But uh, in a piece in 2020 for Vox, one of the people they highlighted was Portia Little, a Brooklyn-based at, artist, diviner, and Aberisha, who said that she received a huge increase in requests for divinations and readings as the pandemic has continued. And in that same piece, they also talked to assistant professor of Africana Studies at Rutgers University, Akisi, Britain. And she said that, quote, with the pandemic and the anxiety and the fear and all these emotions that all of us are dealing with right now, in the beginning, my spiritual practice helped keep me connected and grounded and helped me understand this moment in the larger context, unquote. And keep in mind, that woman has been in the game as a Lakumi priestess for 37 years, they said. So beyond the personal fulfillment of these explorations, I'm also interested. Could embracing African spiritual practices hold value in the liberation struggles of black Americans? And how does this rise in enthusiasm for these beliefs intersect with the explosion of anti-racist activism in black communities of the past decade? I'm really fascinated by this topic, and man, we could not have a better person to hash them out with us here today, let me tell you. Joining me on World Beat is Javon Bird. Uh, Javon is an ethnomusicologist and the founder of the Hawk Foundation for Research and Education in African and African American Culture. And that's a nonprofit that contracts with school districts to provide African American studies training to teachers in the K through 12 range. He's also the owner of Awodi Drummond LLC, which provides African music education for incarcerated youth. Javon, thanks so much for coming on World Beat today.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me, George. I think, you know, we've done a few interviews in the past. I'm excited to see, like, you know, the information that we'll both get out of this and, you know, also give my contributions.
1: Man, no doubt. Uh, Yeah, folks who have uh, followed me for a while might recognize Javon. I've had the pleasure of interviewing him many times for a lot of different mediums, and uh, I'm really excited for this that we'll get to go a bit deeper on these topics here. Before we get into that, though, I do want to get a bit of background on you. I always like doing this, and we'd really like to know, I mean, where where does the story start for Javon Bird?
0: Definitely. So, you know, I was born in Virginia, but raised out here in, um, in Seattle, Washington. I grew up in a household where music was a huge thing so then you know parent got into um um African dancing and then I saw the drumming and I was like, hey, I definitely wanna get into this, right? So continued on with that. Um I played saxophone and then for the Garfield high school band, you know, that's a pretty famous band out here in Washington. And I also um went to school undergrad at the Evergreen State College, focusing primarily on ethnomusicology and traveling back and forth to Nigeria. I'm um, uh First trip, I was there. I stayed there for about three months. I was also initiated into a traditional practice as, as you mentioned before, you know, um, the practice um, from the Yoruba's that, you know, resonates around Orisha and um, various divination forms came to Cuba and, it's, um, and and was called Lukumi. You know, I'm there in, in Trinidad, you know, Shango Baptist. You know, even some of the voodoo practices of, um, Haiti were significantly impacted by the Yoruba practices from the region. Um, now it's called Badagri, but then they called a lot of those people Nago, you know, Egun, right? And so those were the, um, the that was kind of the clan of Yorubas that ended up going to, to Haiti and also really, um, impacting a lot of their practice. So traditionally in Yoruba land though, they call the practice Ishe and each share represent is just basically the indigenous practice, the practice of the culture, right? And within that, there's branches. There's Ifa, which is um, which is under the deity of Orunmila. It's the system that he u- utilizes in order to divine and solve people's problems. And worshippers of Ifa also use that system. Then there's various other orishas, and they have their own individualized practices, which are all s- connected loosely, of course. But then there's also um very specific ways of practice depending on what Orisha um you know you worship. So and you know, um so then you know there's those practices and then even the drum society is watched over by an Orisha, the drum called Ayo. And in Cuba they call Anya, right? And so that Orisha is the Orisha of music and drumming and they drum in order to call the Orisha, they drum for various um community celebrations and all that. So you have that going on i was initiated to ifa i was also initiated about the and also am the drum the spirit of the drum so i do a lot of drumming and you know that's definitely led me to do a lot of um to develop a nonprofit that's foundation is based upon research and education in african culture right so understanding various components of african culture of africanisms of just basically development and figuring out, you know, how to develop systems here within the United States to help with um, African American social, economic, and, you know, intellectual um, development, right? So that's a part of that. I'm already drumming also. But basically, all my businesses that I have are all rooted in culture, <laughs> culture and information. And so I suppose, you know, that was a huge passion of mine. I said I wanted to, if I could work, if I had to work 20 hours a day, what would it be? I said, hey, it would be for something that I love. And that's, of course, culture. So that's kind of, um, that's my foundation and that's who I am.
1: And when, I know you've talked in past interviews about, the drum hold in a lot of significance for you, especially early in life. Like when did you really gain a sense of not just your passion for culture, but for, for African culture in particular, when did that really come up?
0: I suppose that came up, you know, when I got into African drumming and I wanted to know, you know, I had a very inquisitive mind. I was like, okay, cool. So I know that originally African Americans came here from Africa so what are the similarities? You know, I would hear it in the drumming, certain similarities in the um, polyrhythms to the music that's played um, popularly um, across America. And, you know, that was birthed, of course, in the African-American community. And that made me think, okay, so there's still a connection here. So what else, you know, what other connections can I find? What are things that I can learn? What are things that were, intent? And you know, and I got an African-American culture too, you know, studying, you recognize that, oh, it was intentional that they took away drums. It was intentional that they took away language. It was intentional that they took away food. So, you know, anything that an oppressor tries to take away from you, you definitely, I think it's worth looking into.
1: It's like that whole, uh, what do they call that the streisand effect right like the more someone tries to stamp something out and then it just ends up bringing even more spotlight on it <laughs> it's uh
0: one of the greatest right, ironies exactly, out there.
1: Exactly. and what did uh what did your parents do
0: um my mom um you know got into the practice too um she was an educator than my dad um he he actually because um he actually is a whole like pastor, so you know, he's very religious. But you know, it's very um you know different. They're not together anymore, so you know definitely had a different um different influence on both sides. And I suppose on um the religious side of my father, that probably as much as like it might be like a weird dynamic to think about, or you know maybe ironic to think that like actually maybe him being so involved in Christianity helps me with actually being really committed to Ifa. It was kind of like you know seeing like a religious commitment early on probably you know had some sort of effect on me to say oh okay well when I do enter a practice or spiritual practice I should definitely have a, a level of discipline in it.
1: Mm-hmm. What are the politics like at home and the discussions of social issues like? What kind of environment was that like?
0: Um, because you know they because it was two different households it was kind of like okay when I'm here with him is like, you know, I'm hearing what you say, you know, I kind of already knew what I was going to do. And so by the time he really got deeper into it, I was already a teen. So it's kind of like, okay, I'm, you know, listening, reading, studying and whatnot. And I think one of the things that I think confuses a lot of people about me is that I can read something and look at the bigger picture, meaning that even certain things in the Bible that if someone's reading it to me, I said, oh, I agree with that. And they'll be like, oh, so do you want to be Christian? I am like, no. Well, you know, my practice, we believe in that, too. But under this cultural concept, of, you know, concept or perspective or whatnot, or this epistemic framework. But, oh, okay, yeah. You know, so it kind of, I think sometimes a lot of people who are extremely binary, that confuses them. But, you know, for me. And I think that might be something I do get from studying an in indigenous practice. There's no like a lot of times you'll see that there aren't clear binaries. It's more based on circumstance and situation.
1: And you when 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 do you start to get more of the 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 spiritual inclination? Um, you know, you mentioned that you are initiated into into the um, is it the Orisha faith? Is that what you would call it, or what's what's the proper term for that
0: Initiation. You should, you should.
1: Yeah, and so did you when when did you start to have an interest in that, um, that aspect of it? I had an
0: interest in that right away, like with the drumming because I felt something in the drumming. And I remember I went to a Lukumi ceremony and I saw the bata drums and I was like, Oh, I love these drums, I wanna learn how to them. So it was like it was honestly like the religious religion was tied into my drumming. Actually a lot of the secular drumming that I do is specifically for schools. But the music that I love actually is not secular. It's very religious
1: music. Mm-hmm. And when you're, I always love asking this of musicians, um, you know, when I've talked to them, like when you are drumming, what is it exactly mm-hmm. that you're, that you do like in your head? What I mean by that is like, th- there is the musical aspect as well. But when you're engaged in that process of creating sound, creating music, whatever that might be, what, what what is your perception of what that process actually is? If if that makes sense,
0: it does. Um, it really depends. So if I'm drumming in a religious setting, my perception is more okay. Um, we have to drum each rhythm in the Yoruba um, like tradition or Bata tradition has a very specific relationship with a different arisha. So if I'm drumming for Shango, right? I'm saying, okay, cool, I have to drum this pattern or drum this speech in order to call Shango down. If I'm drumming for Ifa, same thing. If I'm drumming for Oshun, Yemoja, Ogun. All the Risha have their own very specific messages that I need to give out. So that's kind of what I do with um my Risha with Arisha drumming. Uh or with drumming in general. Like um, it's almost like how do I put it? it i'm I'm drumming, but I'm speaking or almost setting a stage for them to come and reveal themselves you know, and so like if I'm drumming for people though it's more like okay, I'm drumming because drumming is very um you know this music is very um how to put this music you know there's performative music, but then there's also collaborative music, so this music is very collaborative like we and in, openly invite or participatory that's sort of bit. We openly invite people to come dance to be a part of the movement, right? So then, that's what's happening in my mind. I'm like, okay, how do I set the stage for people to also be open to dancing and having a good time?
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm also wondering. I know you've uh, you've talked about that you have these dual influences. On the one hand, of your mother, who's also involved in these. On the other hand, your father, who's uh, real deep in the church and while you yourself have pointed out that things are not necessarily binary, especially when it does come to uh, the spiritual lines, there are definitely a lot of people who may have felt that influence of the church and may have driven them away from such practices as this. What was it in your case that where you avoided that when so many others were not able to or maybe felt compelled to reject any sense of digging into this heritage?
0: I think because um, at the root, I was I never grew like, okay, so Christianity and heavy Christianity came later versus earlier in my life, like with my father. So it wasn't until, like, you know, I could really, even though he, he came from a Christian background, he wasn't particularly religious until I got around 10. And by that time, 10, 11, 12, right? And that's around the time when. You know we started getting heavier into ifa and orisha so because um you know because i didn't have that background of looking at um looking at religions that were not christian as being bad or evil or sinful i um i think i was able to look at christianity in a very balanced view by the time it did start trying to hit on me you know by the time my dad was like hey i want you all to be christian or i want you to go to church i was like okay well I gotta see what's this, what this is about, and so you know, reading it, and um, and I was very much, are um, you know, very much a reader, um, very much a questioner and a thinker. So I couldn't get away from the fact that, hey, yes, there might be some things on this that aren't completely, you know, non-appealing. However, I can't get over the fact that they forced my ancestors to do this, and then you know, and that this is actually, you know, um, a byproduct of warfare. <laughs> and I think even like looking at things, I think a lot of cultures, that's a thing too. Colonization, right? I know George, you like to do, you know, you you do some fighting, you know, some training and whatnot, right? So you know on the side, right, yeah. Right, right, on the side, right? So let's look at it from war, from a perspective of warfare, right? Colonization indoctrinates people. Has a way of indoctrinating people into things but also taking out or um, diffusing the element of them, which is really about um, self-determination. So, for instance, when you got colonized people saying, oh, Christian God, Christian Jesus, and they had their own indigenous faiths, what that's a byproduct of is a group of people who, one, conquered you, then they indoctrinated you into their beliefs, and so... There was a choice that was made of saying, okay, either we um, submit or, you know, we become um, or we indoctrinate ourselves into this system or we fight against this. And there's various forms of, um, you know, there's definitely various forms of resistance. I'm not saying not like even especially during a slave, um, you know, during um, pre-Civil War United States. You know, not everybody who, who converted into Christianity did it out of submission. Some of them said, okay, we're going to hide some of our Africanisms in this faith. You know, so that's why you hear a lot of even gospel music, right? That's, you know, that's a tradition that, you know, definitely comes from the black American community that definitely also relies on a lot of our, um, you know, a lot of our um even, you know, when we think about pentatonic scales or even when we think about singing styles that might have come from Mali and various parts of Africa and infuse it within also, you know, within some of the European styles that we have here. And also develop something completely new based upon the new experience. Because, you know, while slavery has happened all across the world, slavery of that kind that specifically said, hey, this group of people and you can't work your way out of this and this is child slavery," like that was a little bit different than other areas, right? So I believe that that music also, you know, that music is a product of that. But I would also say that it still holds true to the fact that, you know, when you give up your own faith for another culture's faith or another cultures way of living you in the world, then you lose something else. And so for me, I understood that clearly. And I said, hey, well, my ancestors, you know, I've only been in this country. My people have only been in this country for a few hundred years, but they've been in Africa for tens of thousands of years. I think I'm gonna go with that legacy.
1: <laughs> that that means something right track record's important
0: right exactly
1: <laughs> and, and and so did your father have any particular reactions to um your your practicing of um of IFA or anything like that what what was that dynamic like
0: um it's it's a weird dynamic where you know, I think a lot of Christians do things that they don't understand is very colonial. Um, for instance, when they say stuff like, hey, let's all pray.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, something that simple, something that nice is packed with a lot of colonial inclination, you know, or assumption. Meaning that, okay, let's all pray. Meaning that, okay, so we all pray the way that you pray. Let's all bow our heads. Also, oh, we need to bow our heads to your God. <laughs> you understand? I don't know. And so, you know, I think if unless you've really done the work, you might not see how colonial that is, but, you know, I've done a lot, um, you know, and so it's a little dynamic like that of being like, hey, well, I'm not going to be doing this or that, you know, that definitely causes some friction, but I think... um one of the things, especially, you know, I'm adult, I'm you know, I've I have some accomplishments which he is proud of and whatnot, right? So you kind of get that, okay, well I'm gonna respect you as a man. So this is what you do in your household and this is what I'm gonna do in my household. Yeah, we're cool on that. So I think that's kind of been a um thing. Definitely being strong in who you are and why, and being able to articulate yourself too, um, when people ask you the why is very important. Mm-hmm.
1: Now you've also taken a number of trips to back to the continent. Um, I know you've spent quite a bit of time in Nigeria in particular. What was that experience like when you first did it and how how was it received you coming over from across the Atlantic and really being serious about this faith? What kind of reception did you get?
0: I've gotten respect. I've also gotten um <sighs> You know so in nigeria too because colonialism has happened here and there so you get some people who are just shocked at the fact that you even want to study this and they're like and they're asking you why some people are um feel as if this is the only thing that they might have had after colonization which is not the case but still some people feel that way so then they feel overprotective about it some actually um i've had people look at me and be like oh wow well you look like one of us. I, I think I heard about people being taken a long time ago. And, you know, I've been called Omo Boale by some, which is our child's come back home. So I've had definitely mixed responses. I'm not going to tell African Americans who might be listening to this that you're going to go to um, the African, everybody's going to love you and accept you, like, you know, like in the, in the roots. And they're like, oh my God, you're us. Awesome. No, that's not the case. Humans are humans. So you're going to have very mixed reactions. But I think for me, one of the things that's helped me is just knowing the facts. Like knowing that, hey, my ancestors were taken from here. So whether you know I'm accepted or not does not does not tarnish that fact that I belong here.
1: Mm-hmm. And um and stateside, what kind of responses do you get to this sort of thing?
0: You know, I get a lot of different responses. So um so a lot of people a lot of people do like it. Um, some people are just shocked, you know. Uh, you know, especially on um, Washington, the black American community here is very Christian. So, what you get is a lot of people who are like, Okay, but is he a devil worshiper? You know, in the back of their minds, they're <laughs> thinking that too. But then, some like, you know, especially amongst the more Afrocentric community, they're like, Okay, we know what he's doing. No, we might not necessarily do it, but okay, cool. He's. We fall in the pathway of his ancestors. We can't say nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. It reminds me of um, I don't know if you know about um, Jabari Osaze over there in Harlem, but he uh, he he runs a long time uh, Kemetic Temple over there, right? And a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of black folks get into that. But he I've heard him talk sometimes where he'll say like, "Yeah, sometimes I'll be sitting around and people ask me, are you spiritually inclined?'" And he'll have to say, "Well, I'm not really Christian." And they'll say, "Like, oh, okay, so Muslim, right?" And he's like, eh, "Not quite." <laughs> it's uh, yep. he, he jokes about that um, mm-hmm. that quite a bit. What would you say has been the impact, not just on you personally, but in your your outlook, your drive? What what benefits do you think that a lot of really digging into this practice and understanding the history? What do you feel like that's really brought you?
0: It definitely brought me um a sense of structure order discipline, and something to work towards, so you know in your culture you're not only just working for yourself it's not individualistic at all you're working for your um for your path, for your future generations, so it's definitely gotten me to you know that's why I do do business that's why I'm into contracting into like uh, you know into studying like I'm reading real estate investing, you know all that stuff it it just gets you focused on saying oh I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for, to continue my legacy, to continue, um, you know, to build a foundation for my family. So it gives you a structure in which you like, you know, because, you know, humans on our own, it's like, okay, cool. But we, but we are social creatures and we do need structure. We need society. We need, we need, um, you know, we need to be celebrated when we do certain things. So. This tradition has helped me to really focus and not only think about who I am, but focus on what are the consequences of my actions
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how are they going to um, affect people after me.
1: No doubt. No doubt. I don't think you can get much uh, better foundation than that if you, uh, if you ask me with that kind of logic. Now, I really want to dig deeper into some of the wider history of a lot of these practices, um, because as you've definitely taught me from some of your other lectures there's quite a bit of significance not just in the history but in some implications for today And that's what we're going to start digging into into our next segment so stick with us we'll be right back with javon bird here on world beat